unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, listeners, we are traveling back to the glorious 90s once again to review 1996's summer blockbuster hit, Independence Day. That's right. One of the biggest films of the 90s and the biggest hit of the year of 1996. That is interesting because I did do some uh, sleuthing just to see which, what are the other films that are out? There's some big I think names. it was Mission Impossible was the same year. I know. I mean, just to just to show you what our you know our, our what what we normally cover. You know, obviously Stallone was doing Daylight. Connery had two films out with The Rock, which we've already covered in one of our earlier episodes, and also he did Dragonheart. But there's everything. You mean Dragonheart? We do, we we picked '97 as the first. Uh, we did quite a few uh, as our first opening episodes. There were so many films, but this year there's everything. There's Cable Guy, Train Spotting, From Dust Till Dawn, Naughty Professor, Mul- Multiplicity, uh, The Frighteners, Space Jam, Tin Cup, Escape from L.A., and Vita. <laughs> Don't forget that. And of course, our last episode, Scream, all came out in '96. But don't chase us on that because of release dates. Some yes, as as we as we covered, yeah, Scream came out in america pre-christmas and we didn't get it i think i double checked after recording we didn't get till march in 97. so this is this is a roland emmerich joint i want to say is it his first foray or was he involved in some other sci-fi shenanigans no no so we this is our second roland emmerich film the the other roland emmerich film we covered was universal soldier Ah right, okay, yeah. So we. So that was this. that was his first American 95, film. 93, 95. Keep, keep, 92. 92. Almost. Why are we doing this now, George? It was just well, on the list. Well, he's got a film. He's got a film out at the moment. What's he blowing up now? He's blowing up the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. When he's blown up the world so many times, you can only where do you go next? The moon. The moon. Yeah. So. Uh, just, so yes, just... his his new film Moonfall is is out in cinemas. It came out uh, this month, um, and is getting some mixed to negative reviews. Interesting. Uh, Something um, about spectacle and not a lot of character development. Yeah, I, I uh, think people just saying it's absolutely bonkers. Uh, some it depends if you want to go with it, but some I think it's just a bit too crazy and wacky for some. But yes, he's got a new movie out. We have been this has been on our list for ages. We were actually thinking about doing it around the time of ind- actual Independence Day, but yeah, we just thought it was a good time. He's got a new movie out. Let's go back to the film that essentially made his career. Right, so it's Independence Day, um, it's Will Smith, it's Jeff Goldblum, who features on this podcast a lot in a very short form. Uh, we'll be covering him in glorious, delicious Jeff detail. There's the Pullman, the squinty-eyes gorgeous man. So, um, yeah, for everybody who's listened before, you know what to expect. Uh, George, what would you say to somebody who's chosen this as their first episode to listen to? Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading, dear listener. Uh, no, so uh, Retro Ramble, obviously we are a film podcast. Uh, Charlie and I are brothers. This, Hello. Film, this podcast is, is all about Charlie and I going back and looking at the films that we grew up with, um, seeing how they came to be, do they still hold up, uh, what made them so great, or have they aged terribly, and just sort of pulling them apart, uh, dissecting them, reviewing them in a light-hearted fashion. So there will be spoilers from the very off. I say it's not an in-depth critical appraisal. It's um, a light-hearted look back at these films, and there'll probably be some, maybe some mild, childish language, some bad impressions. Um, but we aim to entertain and, and give you a bit of trivia as well. Great. Okay. Well, let's hit the trailer. Um, it's 1996. We've told you all the other films that were out. Um, enjoy the show. Enjoy. It is morning. You wake up. You greet your loved ones. 
you grab the morning paper. And although it seems like any ordinary day, it isn't. For one extraordinary reason. A historic and unprecedented event has occurred. The question of whether or not we are alone in the universe has been answered. This is so cool. More ships have just arrived over India, England, and Germany. I really don't think they flew 90 billion light years to come down here and start a fight. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! They're using our own satellites against us. The clock is ticking. counteroffensive with a full nuclear strike over American soil. If we don't strike soon, there may not be much of an America left to defend. Being exterminated. Let's kick the tires and light the fires. We're looking at worldwide destruction in the next 36 hours. Oh, you can't hit nothing! Should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight, we're going to live on, we're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. That's what I call a close encounter. So, George, I what do we? I think we should do first memories before you launch into your production chat. Does that sound okay with you? Okay, all right. All right. I had something else planned, but okay. Another reason I say that is that I will never. I was working. um, I was as a waitress in a a cocktail bar. Not far off. I was in my late teens doing work experience in a um, some sort of marketing or design company. And I was walking down to Newcastle town um, from the hill, you know, walking down. Uh, is it Westgate Road? Uh, anyway, in, and you could see Newcastle. Massive, massive billboard ID for with that shadow and the date, you know, it was coming out in August. This is your summer blockbuster. And yeah, this was like two, three weeks before it came out. So this was, it was, it was warm. It was exciting. It was, it was the zeitgeist at the moment. And so it was a big movie for a teenager back then. Yeah, it was, uh, there was massive hype around this film. And from reading into it, uh, my production, it seems like this is one of the first films to, make a big splash at the Super Bowl, you know, to do the, that big trailer in the halftime thing that's now become commonplace, not just for films. Everyone spends a God. fortune at, at the Super Bowl and it's a big, you know, it's probably one of the most, you know, expensive. expensive. <laughs> no, but in terms of the... the, it's the most, it, it is the most expensive advertising space in, in, the, in the year. So, yeah, it was a, a big splash then. And, yeah, as you say, it was all around. And it's still like, you know, you, you put into a search engine, ID4, you know, brilliant marketing. It comes up straight away. Yeah, so I remember we were we were uh, target audience. We were really hyped up about it. I don't know if you remember this, but I bought the novelization. And I think I'm pretty sure we both read it. I was going to say that watching this again, I kept on thinking about stuff. And I was like, of course, this was one of those, like we did this with Goldeneye as well, where Goldeneye. Did it was the, the, the explain to listeners who aren't familiar, maybe it's a UK term, but the novelization, it's not, it's different from being based on a book. It's basically a book that's paid for by the people who make the movie and it follows and adds depth. Oh, no, it was, it was, it was a big thing in the like, I think 70s and 80s and and 90s. And it was, yeah, before back in the day when it took, you know, sometimes at least a year before it became available on home video. 
and you didn't have the internet and stuff like that, the only way to get back into the world of that film that you loved and you saw was to read the novelization, which usually I think, yeah, the, the, the an author gets uh, the hands-on uh, script. And the interesting thing about a lot of film novelizations is because they get an early version of the script because obviously they need to work it into a, a proper book with proper prose and everything. So sometimes you will get some um, some slight differences because they're working, some stuff will obviously get cut for budget reasons, cut because of test audiences. Uh, and yeah, I remember you and I chatting about this saying, oh, that, that bit doesn't happen in the film. Which yeah, because we'll it's to. detail. They add detail. I remember yeah. this with, uh, I mean, just to give an example of GoldenEye, like there's a whole bit in, in the GoldenEye novelization that explains how Natalia escapes from... Seven Eye that she finds some oh, with huskies. the huskies, and, yeah. yeah, and it's like little details that 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 the audience really didn't need to see, but filled out a book nicely. But I was thinking about that a lot going back to watch it this time. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I remember you and I. We shared, were on the hype train. We were reading it on on a summer holiday. I think it might have been in Portugal. And you and I. I was like, yeah, you you know, hurry up and read it and finish it, it back Come and on. forth. So yeah, I I remember being proper sort of target audience and absolutely loving it. Well, it delivered it, it, the sheer scale of things. And yes, I think the critics obviously said, oh, this is just another, you know, this has been done before in the 50s and 60s. But here we were an entirely new generation um, wanting to see, you know, so I think it does tread similar tropes to uh, other alien invasion films saying that it was nothing new, but the special effects or the sheer scale, the sheer stuff. I, 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 think, I think that I think that's it. It was the special effects and the scope of it was was the the selling point. And obviously, for us, yeah, it was it was such a a big. It was a you know typical blockbuster summer event movie. And I think that summer, as you you know talked about, there was a lot of films. It was a big year, but obviously Independence Day was the biggest. I think it was just the concept. It was the end of the world uh, type scenario. And all the other films were kind of more run of the mill. This was a big, you know, big idea. Um, so how did we, how do we get this nugget of a film from, from uh, Herr Her Emmerich? So, yeah, so Ronan Emmerich, as, as I touched on in the intro, his first American film was Universal Soldier, which we covered last year. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, Dean Devlin wrote on that and he writes and produces on this. But they, between Universal Soldier and this, they uh, did a, a small film called Stargate. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Relatively successful. Um, and obviously, it's spawned a huge sort of franchise of SG1. many, many 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 series and things like that so yeah they did that and it was whilst they were doing the press junket for that um a reporter asked uh, them oh do you really believe aliens built the pyramids and emmerich went well yeah we don't believe in them but uh wouldn't it be the most exciting day ever if we woke up and there were 14 mile wide spaceships covering the sky and then he turned to dean devlin and was like I think I've got an idea for our next movie. Yeah, really? Okay, yeah. so it was like that. So yeah, they, they had the idea and Emmerich actually heard on the grapevine in Hollywood that Tim Burton was working on an alien invasion movie, <laughs> Mars Attacks, which... which Came I'm out the sure, same year? Same year, but yeah. so at that time, Mars Attacks was slated to arrive in August 1996. And Emmerich was like, right, Dean, we've got to get working because obviously it was all based around the attack happening over Independence Day. Though for a long time, the film wasn't called Independence Day because the title Independence Day was owned by another studio. Okay. Um, it was, I think the working title was uh, Doomsday for, for a long time. But yeah, it was, it was very late in production that they managed to do some deal and and get that uh, and i think it was set off uh, the fact when they filmed bill pullman's iconic speech and they threw in that last line they were like we really need to get the title <laughs> yeah so that was the the main thing and if you think that roland emmerich is essentially built his career off of the the back of you know that he's you know blowing being, shit up destroying yeah, stuff yeah big, he's big special effects yeah he's the current you know uh, i think erwin allen was the the got the, the master of disaster in the 70s he's the guy behind like towering inferno and poseidon adventure and stuff like that and obviously this film 
is a massive throwback to to that era. But yeah, Emmerich has ushered in his own brand of carnage and chaos. And this was the first to do it. Obviously, he would go on to do well, they did uh, a few years later, they did the um, ill-fated Godzilla remake with Matthew Broderick. Uh, then they did, I think it was Day After Tomorrow. Uh, and then it's 2012. I feel like uh, Day After Tomorrow was him sort of finding the tread. That was once again, it was like a oh my God scenario. And the special effects was what drew people like, yeah, I wouldn't mind watching what that looks like, you know, from a from the safety of a, of a cinema. You know, I think... Yeah. Um, that for its, for all of its was that I want to say it's not um, who's the actor the main actor in that I mean obviously Jake, Jake, Jake Gillen Jake Gillenhall is a very you know he's he's quite young in that now but who's his dad in that Dennis Quaid Dennis Quaid yeah not not his, Nick, not Nick Nolte not Nick Nolte and uh, driving his Prius um, but no I think he I think he was getting back into the group well you know still making films today so he's obviously he's doing something right well that's it and I think there's a certain audience that that are happy to go in and watch these CGI spectacles unfold. I mean, I was watching or half watching half drunk. Um, was it 2012? Um, I've not seen that on TV and it's just like, it's just ridiculous, you know, and just floods and stuff. It's it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's everything. It's volcanoes, earthquakes and meteors and it's like everything at it. Yeah. And it's like, I think John Cusack's driving this limo whilst the grounds fought disappearing behind him. And it's just so everything is just so hyped up to the max. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, I, I think for some people, it's a bit like that, the horror movie trope that, you kind of know what you're getting and it's just that seeing that spectacle of shit being destroyed in a spectacular fashion. Yeah. I think you can't resist a film like uh, independence. Day. And I think what they do is the script is hilarious in points. The, the, um, the characters from all walk of life thing never gets old in this, you know, it's like, okay, we've got, we've got strippers, we've got drunk crop dusters. We've got a young, hot, squinty president with a cool wife. We've got, you know, it's like, we've got captain fantastic played by Will Smith. We've got super nerd, you know, we've got crazy mad scientist. It's it's, and then we've got David, David, Harvey Fierstein. I gotta call my mother. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I wanted him in it. Like I wanted him on the spaceship at the end. David, are you sure we should go to the mothership now, David? <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have killed him off. They How do I fly him. this UFO? I mean, it just would have been brilliant. Just, just him in it more. How you? I thought you died. I thought it was a sequel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just more of him, please. Because I mean, let's talk about. Um, Shall we pop through the cast? I mean, let's talk about um, Jeff well, yeah. uh, Goldblum. Uh, 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 um, well, yeah, let, let's. Um, I've got some an interesting point on the casting because basically Emmerich and Devlin had to fight for both uh, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum to be cast. The studio apparently said. Oh no, Will Smith, he's unproven. He he doesn't work well in international markets. And uh, if you cast a black guy in this part, you're going to kill the foreign box office. And wow. And they were just <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, this is um he's, you know, obviously an actor on the rise and uh and Emmerich actually gambled. He said he like he went back to the studios like because they they got the script was obviously in a bidding war and I think it came down to being between Universal and Fox. And Fox bought it, and and Emmerich was like, "I've got Universal calling me every day, so if you don't <laughs> give me if you don't give me these two actors, I'm going to go over to them." And he's like, "In all honesty, I'm not sure if I had a legal standpoint to to actually move studios, but he said <laughs> it, it, it worked. It worked. It paid off. If you don't do it, Sky will. Exactly. <laughs> will Smith. Will Smith. I take it to Universal. Yeah, I mean, and they they work well together. But I think." Yeah, I was uh, I was reading um, a feature on Will Smith in in Empire uh, recently, and they made made a good point. Like this was this was the film that made Will Smith essentially. Like if you think, obviously we've covered... showed that he could carry a big budget blockbuster. Yeah, and it, we think we've covered uh, Bad Boys, and I didn't realize he's second build in Bad in Bad Boys One because Marlon Lawrence was the biggest star in '95. Oh, Must have been the uh, waistcoats. Must have been the waistcoats, <laughs> the color me bad outfits. But yeah, this was, and obviously he's 
uh, he's not the lead in this. You know, he's on the poster and he's probably third or, f- or fourth build, but he's, you know, he's charming. He's got all the swagger. He's got all the one-liners. And, you know, yeah, as you say, he, he's part of a big cast, but he's the one that properly shines through, doesn't he? But you've also got to think about Target, which we were. We'd grown up watching Fresh Prince. We knew who he was. We'd just got off the back of watching Bad Boys and thought he was like one of the best upcoming action figures. So it was a very smart move to put him in. Obviously, the maybe the older older people in the audience were like, who is this chap in such a, yeah. such a strong role? Not sure it's going to perform well internationally. But... Um, no, I think he's. I think he's. He's great. He is. I mean, one of the best. I think one of the best lines in the film that stuck out to me this time is like, "Dude, you're never going to be an astronaut if you marry a stripper." <laughs> it's just like, how did they get that into the script? It's just genius. genius. It's just yeah. Just why, why is your stripper? Well, just just throw it in there. You know, it's, it makes I, it more relatable. I think what well, I was. I was saying before, you've got all the characters from every single walk of life. You know, every single you know uh, kind of ticking of boxes i think that it does a good job of expanding it like that the fact that you've got him doing this and you've got the um you know you've got the pullman in in his most recognizable role you squinty know, and, sexy bill pullman for from from space balls to this um to recently what he's been doing on uh, in that series out i think it's the sinner I've only watched a few episodes. Of it. It's quite dark. It's quite it's quite depressing. Uh, serial killer stuff. He's got an amazing range and should have had more work. I mean, he's been in plenty, but he's just I think a seriously underrated actor. Yeah, no, he's he is great in this and and spaceballs and spaceballs. <laughs> um, no, he's uh, he is. You're right. He's he's a very he should be in more stuff. And I was struggling to think, I was like, why hasn't he been in more stuff? I, I mean, what I'm saying that. Yeah. Travesty. Cause Sean Connery was getting all, no, no big age difference there. Yeah. Well, he, I guess at the time he was up against a lot of competition, you know, um, yeah. Nicholas Cage, John Travolta, the other 90s stars, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, Snake Plissken. Sorry. I mean, Kurt Russell. Um, no, I think, and also you got the guy from, um, the guy from Star Trek is the mad scientist in that. I, I Bre- think Brett Spiner. Yeah, Brett Brett Spiner. So I, I like I like a lot of the the decisions that were made about how the story unfolds. I think I think the opening of this film is amazing with the shadow. There's some great cinematography there. It's it's a fantastic build up. And I remember you know just jumping back to first memories. I think the, the three of us, you, me, and Dad, went to see this and. Dad's like a thick comments work. I was like, oh yeah, brilliant build up, but then it got a bit silly with all the explosions and special effects. Um, but yeah, the the actual tension of the sort of the slow dread, and uh, I, I find it funny this time around with the the constant flashes of white. I was like, whoa, I need some sunglasses here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but, but has that, that they and that they go through with it, you know, because you're yeah. thinking, oh, it's going to get stopped at the last moment. It's like, nope, they're going to nuke them. Yeah, and no, it's the fact that um, it feels like it's a realistic sense of dread. You know, the fact you've got uh, looting, you've got a panic. And again, like there's some clever humor in there. Like there's that news report, please do not fire handguns at the alien spaceship. And it just makes me think of, you know, obviously some of the stupid stuff we've been putting up with in the pandemic of just like, please do not inject bleach into yourselves. Exactly that. I thought that. And the fact the the conspiracists and the, you know, the people that all the guys were on top of that building in yeah. in, uh, in L.A. We're here. We're here to welcome you. Vaporized. It yeah. was just like uh, brilliant special effects. And I think the, the build up is the just to talk about for a fact, there's a lot of don't worry about that, um, because, you know, it's like it's a quarter the size of the moon. So, I mean, it's a let's not get into the science of a, an object of that size coming into you know Affecting near earth, gravity near earth orbit creating tidal waves no yeah. don't worry about that leave your brain I've, at uh, the door i'll leave, leave that for brain. my next movie <laughs> yeah yeah leave leave your brain at the door but yeah sorry for the uh, day after tomorrow but it's i think that's what is so good about this film you can't resist it it is it is bonkers it throws everything at you it blows everything up and then out of nowhere, these aliens who've traveled across the galaxy had not prepared for Jeff Goldblum. They weren't ready for Jeff Goldblum and sidekick Will 
the drinking bingo word for this, Charlie, what is it? It's satellites because it's it's pre-internet yeah. or very early internet. So it's all about satellite signals and interrupting. I've managed to decode the signal. I'm not entirely sure of Jeff Goldblum's backstory. All I know is, is his, pers- his character motivation or his character is he's into recycling and rides he's a bike. Green. Yeah, he's very green. Super wants to save the planet. That's it, George. The, his, his character arc is he wants to save the planet. And I finally and, do uh, get to oh, so, so, so save the, 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 the planet. Thanks to his dad. Um, hey, who Judge Hush. Judge Hush. <laughs> also plays- great, great, great Jewish dad. I think he's the only reason I would go and watch Resurgence because I think they get him back as to play his dad again in that. Yeah. But no more David. I want more that guy, David. Oh, oh David. Oh, no. <laughs> My mother. I think just to talk about this film throws everything at you. It's ridiculous. It is bonkers. It is massively cheesy. And that's the biggest criticism. Everyone's like, so she said, yes, but it's about setting up a heroic third act. It's about aliens invade. They blow everything up. We've got one last chance, which works out very conveniently in terms of what's in Area 51. And... You know, yes, it's cheesy, and but it wouldn't work if it. My point is, it wouldn't work if it wasn't so stupid and bonkers and cheesy and corny, would it? Oh no, it's it's ultra patriotic. You know, um, I can't remember what was the one review that said basically America saves the world from its own special effects. I remember uh, that review. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, there there are some nice moments in that final act of everyone banding together and uh, getting a real sense of community and the arabs you know, the jews the, the, the brits and, and, oh, the americans uh, have worked it out oh it's about <laughs> bloody time the, the uh, americans are launching a counteroffensive. apparently uh, they seem to have worked out something Ooh, jolly good uh, so yes it, it is very clunky in that respect but it works yeah, as, as you say it's, there's there's some and it's clearly borrowing from from everything everything under the sun in terms of like star wars uh you know even the bit where the alien ship is getting closer to area 51 and they've got it on a map <laughs> getting closer and closer it's like Beep. that that seems familiar very um war of the worlds the day the earth stood still all of that but yeah it's for a new generation and it delivers i think yeah, yeah i mean it's it's a weird one because i remember I say I loved it when it first came out, and then about ten years later, I rewatched it. I hadn't seen it in years, and re- sat down and rewatched it with Husey, and we were both just like, "This is a bit corny. This is a, it's a bit silly, and it's a bit like unintentionally funny." I mean, we were mo- mostly laughing at George. Uh, isn't time. Oh no, him! I thought you were going to start talking about Ray. Roy, is it Ray Roy Logier? Robert Logier. We haven't got time to talk about him. You mean General, Mister President? Shall General. I go? Do we go to Je- <laughs> DefCon Two, sir? Does that um, does that mean it gets worse if we go from three to two? Yes, uh, yes, Mister President. Well, you've you've got Robert Logier, and you've also got the other guy who's is it the Secretary of Defense? Is like, let's launch the, the nukes now. <laughs> yeah, this fucking trigger happy. Guy. He's he's. What are you doing, Fokker? He's that all I remember that guy for? He's the other. He's in the meet the. Sorry, it's something about Mary. No. Yeah, he's, not, uh, he, he's meet a, the fuckers. No, that's the second one. What's the uh, one? What's the film? What's the first? Um, it's, it's, it's meet the parents. It's meet the parents. Sorry, meet the parents. He's he's the really annoying family friend. So, like, what are you doing, fucker? Yeah, no, he's uh, he's in like so many things. That that guy's what's very good, very very well established nineties character actor. I think uh, J- James, James Rebhorn is, yeah, is his he, name. Jimmy Jimmy Redhorn has played so many character acting roles, so many chief of staff, uh, defense secretary, and all that. So he's but he's like launch the nukes, Nukes. launch it now. But yes, um, (laughs) Robert Lozier is the um, general exposition type guy. Um, They'll be in our airspace in twenty minutes. Yeah, I don't think we've got anything really to... No, but, I don't think we've got enough time to talk about the various military roles that he's done in Yeah, his no, but, but uh, sexy, squinty Bill Pullman. The doctors say, uh, gonna pull through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was uh, great. Did I forget to mention that I was a Gulf War Top Gun pilot? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Like, and, and I that's suppose... brilliant. That's brilliant. Put put him in a fucking put him in a in a jet and blow that shit up. I just love that. It's brilliant. Well, apparently, in the original script, he was going to be more of a Richard Nixon type deceptive president that you couldn't really trust, and it was originally written for another actor, which I'll get to in coulda woulda shoulda and then the twist in the end was going to be like oh well no he's been really duplicitous but he's he is he was always going to be a pilot and um it was a fact that like yeah that was going to be the 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 twist at the end that he'd suddenly decided to like get involved and help out as well but when bill pullman was cast they were like no we've he's a really nice guy we've got to rewrite the script and I suppose it was around the time of like, I don't know how, how how long had Clinton been in office, but Clinton, after like lots of old sort of Reagan and George Bush senior, it felt like a, a well, a, a fairly young president. So I suppose it's quite sort of in keeping with that. Yeah. And um, obviously later that year, we'd get Jack, Jack. playing the president and what? and many other roles in, yeah. in, in Mars Attacks. Um, so yeah, but he kind of stole the show in in that, but for for different reasons. But let's, I mean, should we talk about the speech? People should just check it out. Check out the Bill Paul. I mean, I mean, I Why can try and do say? do my best, man. No, you won't do it. Would you Mankind. do it justice? No, I won't do it justice. Um, but yeah, no, it is like a, a lot of people see it or ironic or unironic as one of those great film speeches. Well, it's because everything's been neutral. It's because it's everything's been nuked. I think that's my only criticism of the film. I think they don't not. It's the the fact that not just obviously L.A. Um, I think that was obviously budget or scope, but it's, it's given short shrift what's actually happened before the third act. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I think the characters are like, oh, we're going to go into the next. We've got to go and check out the aliens in Area 51 and go and blow this shit up. It's not like. Because if you'd imagine what would have been first strike, it would have been not. It would have been obviously Washington, uh, LA, and New York, but you'd probably London, Paris. It's probably all of the big cities in the world. So I don't think. I think that's given a bit of short shrift. If you, if and, you get- and I think it's something uh, Emmerich goes on to in his other films. Like I think London and Paris, like they all get like trashed in his later films. But like, and I think it's in no, it's uh, it's Armageddon, isn't it? Where it's just like it's just Paris a, is like, toast. Yeah, <laughs> Paris is just completely obliterated. And I think it's an Independence Day resurgence that London gets completely destroyed. I mean, it, not just the destruction of cities, but just actually I th- focusing I think, on I those areas. Well, no, just his his speech is great, but I just think while he was talking, maybe just a few skylines here, like everyone going to their sets to watch it, and in because a few a few satellites relaying via via satellite, uh, l- nobody's banding around like they are in um, what is it? Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow never dies when they they can't stop going by GPS. GPS. No, no, it is just still satellites. Um, but no, I just felt like I think that's my only criticism of this is that it still feels that. I mean, that line you said earlier about America saving itself from its own special effects is it does feel. Yes, I know there's a few shots of the people in the desert and the Brits and that are actually going to get involved, but it, I think that's the only thing they're missing. That even in America, the fact that think about what will have been lost. Think of the devastation that was unleashed. It's, I don't know, it doesn't dwell on it because it's too much of a happy, we're going to save the day film. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to be, it wasn't about, it wasn't trying to sell you the atrocity of war and destruction. It was like, no, if aliens come, we're going to blow those motherfuckers up. That's, yeah. that's really the point of this film. And we're going to have heroes doing it. But it, they do it quite well in terms of that, the fact that the cities get blown up, they release the fighter jets, the fighter jets, all but Will Smith are killed off. They release the, like nothing's working. They're releasing they the fire nukes. The nu- fire yeah. the nukes. Um, and let's talk about that scene in Area 51, because I think that's great about the the, the, the way that people just arrive. Well, it's, 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 it's funny a neat bit of script writing. No, but if you think about it, like let's, let's take a, a jump back. I was thinking about this because the 90s was a, I don't know, aliens were very, and conspiracies were very zeitgeist, weren't they? Obviously you had the X-Files, that was huge on telly. And there seemed to be a whole sort of mysticism around Area 51 of what's what's in there, what are they keeping from us? And it seemed like, yeah, in the the sort of mid to late 90s, it was at its height. So yeah, it it, it kind of tapped into that brilliantly, that that whole what-if paranoia. 
Well, it also, I, I like the bit, and it's just like they've taken out NORAD. It's like even the aliens know where NORAD is. NORAD yeah. should really think about moving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was the the whole uh, building sort of a bit of tension. But the the fact that, you know, they, they go to Area 51, we've got a ship and we can fly it. And you've got your virus and we've got Will Smith. We've got everything we need. You know, well, you know like, as you say, you touched on, you've got um, Brett Spiner, the guy who plays Data, who's great. Um, having so much fun having so much fun like coming out and he's just like everyone's really excited here it's just like yeah. half the world has been blown up um, they don't let us out much <laughs> um but apparently like i i say um neither of us have seen the sequel resurgence but i was watching the the honest trailer on it the other night and apparently they bring back brett spiner even though he seems to be dead and killed and this is like yeah he's fun let's bring him back I, d- I can't remember. Maybe he was killed off screen. I don't well, he's remember. like thrown like across. The oh, he's taken out. But, but that's yeah. a good scene. It's good. good it's good. creepy. Creepy scene. Creep, creepy scene. So it creates the tension again. He was in my mind. And then you've got Logia coming in. Oh, my God, Mr. President. Uh, <sighs> I think there's there's a there's a buddy movie to be made. Something happened between those two, like behind the scenes. It's like there's the the father figure. There's the I believe in you, Mr. President. Um. But I, 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 I enjoyed their chemistry because they're kind of like, obviously, Bill Pullman, we know, handsome, squinty. And Logia, he knows how to squint. Mm. <laughs> the gravel if, voice you, off. If, you, if you don't mind, <laughs> Miss President, I'd like to stay by your side and squint for the rest of the movie. <laughs> That's good, ha- good job, General. <laughs> I'll see you at the squinting, squinting corner and squinting at Squint Street. Um, yeah, no, no, great. Um, all over great cast. Everyone in this. Mm. Solid. I mean, you've got the... Um, the 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 first first lady uh, who would ironically she would go on to play the president in the Battlestar Galactica series. I think I've seen her in Authority somewhere. Um, she might have even played first lady somewhere else. No, I'm I'm joking. And then there's the the girl. I'm right in thinking that's a girl from Big, right? David's David's ex wife. No, David I, David. No, that's not that's somebody else. I'm um, but did you notice the president's daughter is? Her? Yes, yes, yes. From I Arrested did. Development. Is it uh, what she called? I've forgotten her name. And that's the joke in Arrested Development. Isn't it Beth? I think it's, I want to say it's it's Gwen or Beth. It's something like that. And they get, they all keep forgetting her name. And But she's now in that, um, she's in that series with uh, Christina Hendricks about the three mums who go bank robin. She's the third, third of oh, the, the wives. So I she's see. going on to bigger and greater things. Uh, but bigger. yeah, I, I and I recognized, I was like, oh, it's it's her. And Job, Job going, no, I don't, what, what's her name? Her? Anne. Anne. Anne, that's it. That's it. Anne, yeah. Her? <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, it's it has got a, a really good, diverse cast. Goldblum being sexy, sexy Goldblum. Must go faster. Managing to take down the alien race with his Mac power book or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's just 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 Goldblum versus aliens. Go, do, do, they had no, they planned for everything apart from Jeff Goldblum. And this um, sexy but Goldblum. I did, I did like that. I think it's a really good end scene. I mean, once again, park your brain at the door. Don't ask how they've been able to get. You know, don't ask about the Area Fifty One. Don't ask about Will Smith being able to fly it. Don't ask about on any first of that. go. There's no test flight. It's just like no, go and just get just, out. Just, there isn't time. There isn't time. Just fly it. <laughs> So, I mean, none of that, but the fact that you get to see the inside of the ship and that they both think that they're stuck there and you're like, oh, they're going to go, you know, and yeah. then no, they get out. Suicide. And... <laughs> Suicide mission. Um, you know, it's satisfying. It's jingoistic. It's patriotic. But yeah, I can, it's, I entertaining. Think, it's entertaining. I think you and Husey probably went and probably watched too much intellectual cinema <laughs> before going back to this. And it doesn't age well. I think you've got to keep your expectations for try and go back to where they were when you first saw this film is like, yeah, I mean, the way I'm trying to think of it now, because yes, for me, it is diminishing returns. But if you think about how like Spielberg's films hold up, you know, into Cameron's films hold up in terms of those, that big budget spectacle. Yeah. Okay. Namely, yeah. Of the nineties, Jurassic Park, Terminator two, and they have aged beautifully. And to be fair, you know, the effects in this, is is a very good effort. The effects you know, still hold up. Yeah. There, there's some great destruction. There's some a little bit shonky, um, a little bit. It is that sort of weird sort of halfway house between those. They've obviously done a lot of miniatures and then 
adding in some CGI into it. And it doesn't always mesh very well, in my opinion. But we um, love miniatures on Retro Ramble. We love miniatures <laughs> on, on Retro Ramble. Um, Grew up with them. But yeah, I just don't feel that it's aged as well as, as I say, you know, Spielberg, Cameron, because I know we've got on the list, we were deciding whether to do this or Armageddon. I'd be interested to to see how Armageddon holds up against this, because obviously that's a couple of years later. CGI's got a little bit more polished. Yeah, but you, the thing about Armageddon is you're still never going to get... Why didn't you just train astronauts to march? Shut up, Ben. <laughs> I, I don't know. I still... I think... This is, you know, 15, 16 years. I think I was about 16 at the time. I saw the billboard. I got excited about it. I went to see it. It delivered. And it'll always be that, you know. And I think mm. looking back to it now, it feels like a time capsule, you know, like the the speech, the cheesiness, the actors who are in it, the effects. And it's, I think I can't get over remembering seeing it for the first time. And I think it's that type of film because once you've seen it, all, all the things are up because you've got to remember that first watch. You're like, you don't, when you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I remember that. I remember like there is that moment in the act one or act two, where you work at, they're actually here. They're not here to be friendly. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, you've all, I think we'd all seen the teasers and that when new stuff was going to blow up and that, but that that's when it really, there was a lot of tension building. There was a lot of world built or a lot grand scale of things. So I think I, I remember its impact on me then. And I even, I think it upped the bar. I, th- I think, yes, other films have come along and done bigger, better stuff. But I think this seriously raised the bar in terms of what. Oh, no, abso- abso- absolutely. Like it really did usher in. It was that sort of time of, okay, what can CGI do? You had the competing volcano movies. You obviously had the competing asteroid movies. Um, and then all of yeah, Emmerich's other stuff. So yeah, it did usher in a sort of a new age of disaster films um, with very mixed results. One final thing, just jumping back to what we're talking about, the differences between the novelization and the finished film, there is an alternate ending that was shot and then changed very last minute. So in the original script or one of the working scripts that... Instead of uh, Randy Quaid being in an F-16, he's denied... In the crop duster. He's in the crop duster and he ties a bomb to his crop duster and flies that as a suicide mission. And when they did a test screening, people were laughing and they were like, that's not a good thing. So they quickly went back to their original idea of, you know, he's in an F-16 or F whatever it is with all the other guys. And it makes it a bit more emotionally charged that he makes that decision in the plane to, you know, go on a suicide mission and leave his Hispanic Keanu Reeves-esque son. I'm not Keanu Reeves. I'm not for the last time. Keanu Reeves was off making Chain Reaction with Morgan Freeman this year. Mm. I mean, let's just talk about it because I think you're probably ready. We're probably ready to jump into Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, uh, star of this film. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, I think I, he's getting out of an Uber with Celine Dion. So I think they're going to be knocking on the door in a second. But let's just briefly talk about the 90s. I mean, the other films I haven't mentioned from this era are, I'm sorry, from this year, there was a time to kill. There was executive decision. There was the, the Frighteners. Um, Nutty Professor, Cable Guy. Now, the thing is, George, I remember us seeing all of these... At the cinema, I remember you and I went to see Executive Decision, Time to Kill, Dust Till Dawn, Train Spotting. Maybe not together, but I, I, Cable Guy. I didn't see Cable Guy at the cinema. Nutty Professor. I, I saw, yeah, all of, like all the ones I could have seen. I say we were perfect target audience. I was, how old would I have been in in ninety six? I was thirteen, so yeah, I would have been. I was going as much as I could go to see Cable Guy and Nutty Professor, Mission Impossible, obviously. Yeah. But what so, what what a time it was. I just think from like, I don't know, just the 90s generally. The the 80s were great, gave us some classics, but the 90s. And, and it was, yeah, they, uh, you know, what we talked about, the high concept blockbuster that hats off to Emmerich, that he's sticking to his guns and he's trying to do original things. I mean, obviously he's got himself in the in the press recently because he's basically saying Star Wars and Marvel are killing, are killing cinema. They're, 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 they're robbing people of other opportunities and other ideas. And he's financed his latest film Moonfall through various different companies. And good yes, for him. 
it's yeah good for him you know he's he's trying to do something yes it's it's probably not original it's it's a bit bonkers but yeah he is he, you know he has his niche and he's he's good at doing it i think we're, we're gonna have to let them in your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should so coulda woulda shoulda is where george enlightens us on two actors who were considered for the roles uh, sometimes directors but typically actors but didn't get the parts and with hilarious and very shocking results sometimes so george enlighten us uh so this uh, we've got quite a few coulda woulda shouldas in this one martin lawrence martin lawrence <laughs> for, no for for the role of david david um so Matthew Broderick was was offered the role, but I had to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, and obviously he would go on to being in Godzilla. And then um, giving up on his career. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Ethan Hawke apparently was also considered, though they, they did say he might have be, been a bit too young at the time. Matthew Perry, as in Chandler Bing, was offered the role of Captain Jimmy Raven, played by Harry Connick Jr., Hi. Yeah, Harry Connick Jr., who was who's had extensive experience in playing pilots who are about to die. What's that uh, World War II? Um, I think he's in that, isn't he? Which one? Memphis Bell. Memphis Bell. I'm pretty I'm sure. Not he's sure. In that. I'm not sure what Harry Connick Jr. is in, but I, I did read a great anecdote where um, Goldblum's talking about, I think, singing jazz with both here, uh, Harry Connick Jr. and Brett Spiner. Oh, yeah, just between takes, we just, uh, just do a bit of jazz singing. Bit of Barber's Quartet. Just love it. You mentioned, well, in a roundabout way, we talked about Nutty Professor earlier. Jada Pinkett Smith uh, turned down the role of the stripper with a heart of gold because of scheduling conflicts with the Nutty Professor. So she could have been playing, obviously she would go on to become Mrs. Will Smith. And as I say, um, President Whitmore was uh, originally intended to be a Richard Nixon type figure. And it was written for a friend of Dean Devlin's, Kevin Spacey. My God, so ahead of their time. And apparently the studio refused to cast Spacey, saying he didn't have the potential to be a big star. Because I think at this point, he, I think Usual Suspects had just come out. Well, we, as we say, yeah, he was like he was discovered in Suspects and he really took off after that. Yeah. yeah. But ironically, he would have his day as the president in House of Cards. Yes, and and his day is being a bit Nixony as well. But we mm. love him. We love him for the work he did. No, speak for yourself. I, I'm, 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 getting, I'm jumping off this train. Goodbye. <laughs> Who else was considered for the role but didn't get it? Uh, Who hasn't been involved in any scandal? <laughs> no, that's it. That's all. That's all I've got. I, I, yeah, bizarrely, for like considering they fought for maybe they just had Will Smith in mind very early on. I'm. I'm, I'm there probably is. I mean, I, I'm. I read on IMDb. Wesley Snipes, <laughs> Martin Lawrence. No, I did read Murphy. on on IMDb. It was literally just like, who? Where did he get these from? It was like Tom Cruise, and it was just all these people considered for the role of Will Will Smith's role of Stephen Hill. I'm just like, yeah, take that with a pinch of salt. So what, where does this sit for you? I mean, I've given, we've talked briefly on 90s films, 90s action, big blocks, you know, where does this film sit for you? You know, after going back and watching it again this time around, do you feel better than last time? No, I mean, I say I'm not going to rush back to watch it again. I think it is very much a good and bad. It's, it's, it's a great example of, of the 90s blockbuster. There is some good spectacle and I did... I did enjoy it, but yeah, I'm not going to rush back anytime soon. Yeah, I think for me, it's 100% nostalgia. Hmm. It's it's what it was back then, and it's that um, it's 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 those memories of, of of watching that film for the first time. Um, but there's there's other stuff. There's other stuff that will be coming. Up. I'm glad that we've covered it. Well, yeah, I'd I say it's 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 been on our list for a long time. We were talking about doing a sort of double bill with Mars attacks, but I think we'll leave that for another time because that, that is deserves, a, a, that deserves its own episode as does Armageddon. Yes. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Maybe we should. And de- no, not deep impact. That doesn't deserve its own episode. No, I think, 
I, I'm looking forward to, to covering those sort of films. And I agree with, um, with Roland Emmerich in that there needs to be disaster films. There needs to be more than just, we need Bond films. We need other, mm. we don't just need franchises. We need good thrillers. We need murder mystery. We need educational, <laughs> historical. We need... Well, uh, f- funnily enough, apparently, so yeah, uh, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich sort of kind of split ways in the sort of early noughties. But apparently one of the last good disaster films was, I think, his uh, Dean Devlin's uh, directorial debut, a film called uh, is it Greenland with Gerard Butler. And Gerard that came, Butler. And I think that got shifted around and then ended up being released on Amazon during the pandemic. But I have to check from, it out. From what I've heard, it's a good, good sort of tense disaster film. I really like Gerard Butler and I I would like to see him in more. I think he gets a bad rap. So anything he's in, I'll give it, I'll give it a look. I think I think he just says yes to pretty it's, much it's, a lot, it's, a lot it's of films just, It's just it's like be. him and Statham. It's just why make him he can't do an American accent, but he keeps getting yeah. cast as an American. He's Scottish, I mean, come on. I mean, he's he's a charming, you know, gruff leading man, and he has got that charisma, but he just he really struggles with the American accent. Yeah, give it a break. So um, in terms of what we've got coming up, um, we should also spare a moment to say what you can check out. If you sign up for Patreon, we're getting more and more in the Patreon library. So what can people have? I know that last of all, we've done some recent rambles. So if you sign up for Patreon, you'll get access to those. Uh, These are films that are out now. This is George and I flexing our muscles and doing a slight something slightly different from Retro Ramble. But now what have we got on the list, George? So far, there's... Uh, so, yeah, we've got a few recent rambles under our wing. So we um, spent a lot of time talking about the, well, the last Bond film, No Time to Die. But we've also most recently covered uh, Matrix Resurrections and Spider-Man No Way Home. But we are dipping our toes in for our next episode. A we different are, type of feature this time. Yeah, we are doing our, we've been threatening it for a while, our retro revelations. So these are the films, the classic films that Charlie and I somehow missed first time around. And we are launching that with uh, quite a plum because we are going full in with Swayze and Roadhouse. The double douche. The double douche. Uh, so look forward so yeah. to that That If you sign up for uh, Patreon You get all of those episodes you just mentioned And Roadhouse and a bonus episode Every other month So uh, check it out, show the love But thank you for downloading this episode Retro Ramble will be back As per, as per usual each month uh, I'm not sure, can we divulge What we're covering next? Are we allowed to talk about it? Will we have to kill the listeners? If we we'll have them? to kill them No, we've got a, f- a few ideas uh, Maybe we'll have a, a, a trip uh, back to the the 80s because obviously we did this was 90s we've done a couple of 90s ones uh so yeah we'll probably mix it up and do something in an 80s fashion but yes feel free to send your suggestions in on all the social channels or our website yeah yeah we're we're always welcome to take on suggestions uh and you know if you enjoy the show please uh leave a review or like like and subscribe tell a friend tell a pen pal tell a person you sat next to on the tube if you like it you know share the love wherever whatever we're here so um that has been independence day uh 1996 i've been charlie mcgee i've been bill pullman uh, no sorry i've been george mcgee and we will see you next time thanks bye 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 oh man i hate kids birthday parties this is gonna be worse than that time i was stuck behind robert lozier at the airport may i have your name please robert lozier can you spell that for me? Certainly. That's Robert Loja. R as in Robert Loja. O as in Oh my God, it's Robert Loja. B as in By God, that's Robert Loja. E as in Everybody loves Robert Loja. R as in Robert Loja. T as in Tim, look over there, it's Robert Loja. Space. L as in Look, it's Robert Loja. Uh.